0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Not Soaring on the Podcast. I think today's my 25th episode, so this is exciting. Um, today we're talking about the MCU versus everyone else. And fun fact, y'all, I recorded my entire episode and disappeared. I don't know what happened to it, so that's fun. But it's okay. You know why? Because I randomly do have energy enough for this. And might be my first episode a little bit more too too much rambling. So we're gonna have a condensed episode because I've already gotten my first ramble out and usually my second ramble is a little bit more together and a little bit better. So we're just gonna go with it. We're gonna roll with the punches, right? Anyway, this all started and this episode is inspired basically by me getting trolled by JLo fans, uh, last week. JLo saying accounts on Twitter. I tweeted as a response to JLo's, uh, random video on TikTok that was resurfacing. Interview from 2019, I think after you did Hustlers, she was pissed that she didn't get nominated for an Oscar. And I guess, you know, rightfully so, I guess, because it was probably one of the better performances of that year. Um and Movies are popular to Hustlers made a solid amount of money, so I'm not going to act like that's not true, right? Anyway, um, she wasn't going to win that Oscar. That I can tell you. But uh, nominated, sure, whatever, just throw it in there. Um, Jayla, to me, is known as a mean girl, so I don't take her seriously anytime she does something in Hollywood. Look, she's a fun kiki to listen to and watch, but, like, I don't know. She's fine, right? Anyway, so I tweeted as response to her talking about how MC uh, Marvel movies or anything that get made, it's hard to make real human stories, which I will get to later. There are plenty of human stories that came out just this year that I think are fucking fantastic. So Jayla was wrong about that. But, you know, it's hard, she's saying it's hard to get, um... Movies outside of big blockbusters made right, and a part of that is because ever since the '70s, studios have been striving to make their own Star Wars. Um, and so I said, uh, JLo Lo um, needs to calm down because no one's checking for her because she's not the given actress. Then I said, outside of her not being a great actress, um, that she that there are plenty of movies being made. Um, and the video scenes came out and they were like that's not true and i was like well the real issue is streaming sweetie netflix is your big your your big monster not fucking kevin feige it's netflix and hulu and amazon prime and hbo max and peacock and paramount plus and disney plus and all the other fucking things those are your real enemies y'all so now we're gonna run down a history lesson so blockbusters really started with um, Steven Spielberg's Jaws. that's when the summer blockbuster became a thing right so it's usually now they come out in July um, they're a big budget they think usually you leave a hundred million dollars to make and um, they usually have critical and commercial success way more usually way more commercial than critical well actually the, the popular ones have both right um, and so Jaws started it, and then after that, Star Wars was the big one that took off, right? Like, um, in 77 or 79, I want to say when Star Wars was released, um, every studio was just like, we need our own version of that. I want a Star Wars, right? I want to be able to have an IP or buy an IP that makes me a shit ton of money, and all the fucking nerds were crawled to, Right? Um, when Star Wars came out, you know, it was very white and, like, black people didn't really get into it. That's not true. My bad dad and dad watched Star Wars, but, like, how much into it, into it, it was it was the white folks nerd to still talk about to this day, right? And um, straight up PG-13, that's also a major key, usually it's PG-13, a little action, a little bit of, like, drama, a little bit of, like, rom-com, a little comedy, you know, everything to, like, mix it up. But it's usually one big action-like thing, right? And so since then, your biggest franchises have been... Um, I just said Star Wars, Jurassic Park, the DC Universe, um, uh, the the competition for Marvel, Lord of the Rings, X-Men, Fast and Furious, Batman. The Avengers apparently count as a separate franchise. The MCU, James Bond, Harry Potter, and Twilight. Those are the ones that came off, my, off the top of my head. I, of course, am forgetting some. I did not want to ram down every single fucking franchise. But anyway, those are the ones that are super notable and that people, um, movies are still being made, are still being talked about to this day, um, I will say. Um, and so, anyway, Those are your big ones, right? And I think a major part that folks are trying to talk about now is, like, how much money is being poured into these to be made, right? So your low-budget movies in Hollywood usually range from about... um, five million of course five million under or zero to five million dollars or zero to ten million dollars and of course inflation is usually a really big part of this of like what counts and what doesn't so get out is a perfect example of a low budget movie um barbarian that came out as a low budget movie most usually it's horror movies it's usually your indie movies your dramas um that are low budget movies sometimes just usually smaller directors uh do low low budget movies um so, yeah, it's like I said, zero to five million, ten million dollars, depending, right? Your mid budgets are usually going to be about 10, 20 million to like 60, 70 million, about ish, right? And usually those movies have a huge, a bigger marketing budget too. So, those are usually really popular. Most movies are mid-budget movies and those are usually your rom-coms your dramas the ones that usually win oscars um sometimes low budget too but mid-budgets are really the ones who can like hit that sweet spot that has like mass appeal they usually are like rated um sometimes you get the range of like rated r movies you get pg-13 um this is a big big pot of the mid-budget thing right and that's dwindling right that's what the conversation is about today about the mid-budget movies dwindling because of big-budget blockbusters in the MCU specifically, right? And your big-budget movies are a hundred million dollars plus. Like, we got Avatar coming out as the perfect example. Uh That movie needs to make two billion dollars to recuperate. My prediction is they will not do it because I don't think Spider-Man would make two million dollars. Two billion dollars. Sorry. And so Avatar, a very average movie, oh no I see Avatar doing well for a few weeks and then falling off because who wants to be in this pandemic especially when we know it's going to be on Disney Plus eventually that's another thing I'm going to get into right so anyway like your big budgets are the ones that are the competition right and so a little bit of history more history I guess you should say is that every I guess few 20 years there's a new competition in the movie industry right and back in the day when VHSs were introduced, because my dad had to run me a history, history lesson real quick, and then so I was talking about this with him, and then do some research, of course, to confirm. But I mean, I, I believe him anyway. So when VHSs came out, like students were kind of freaked out. They're like, "Oh man, if people can see things at home, and they just have to wait. Like they're not gonna, they're not gonna really want to go to the movies, right?" Which wasn't true. Movies were still booming, right? VHS didn't really affect. The movie but industry like they thought it was right when DVDs came out they were like ah damn we're stressed people are gonna want to see it you know now we, we got to do this but you know they can make money in physical copies so though so they're like alright alright fine 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 right and they did like most movies do make money off of your physical copies right because usually within your movie budget your mid-budget movies and whatnot that because uh, maybe low budget movies make their money back right sometimes they don't sometimes they do but whatever um, and this actually goes for all movies, all budget movies. What happens is the budget has to half the budget might cover marketing. So we move fifty million dollars, twenty five million dollars goes to marketing, and so that is like your commercials, your ad spots, your television spots, your um newspapers, magazines, um, how long that marketing thing can go for. Um, like so things can get pushed up for a year and that's all in the marketing budget, right? That twenty five million year PR and for the um for everything competitions that are in that's all in your marketing budget right and um Usually DVD sales were usually a big part of recouping that, right? So if that movie only made 35 minutes of the 50 million it needed to like break even, that 20 million would come in DVD sales, right? So when DVD's were introduced, I was like, all right, cool, fine, we're, we're good, right? When Blockbuster was introduced, that really got them a little more panicked because they were like, oh, people are gonna rent, they can take it back, oh my goodness. But people, some people, rented. Some people like, oh, rent it, some people did not want to buy, they're like, oh, renting. So like, of course, oh, we're safe, movie industry's still good. Now when, and and when Netflix came out, that was another kicker, right? But of course it was still renting and it was like a little bit faster. So people were like, all right, we got nothing to worry about with like uh, Netflix renting stuff. Like it's not that deep, like blah, blah, blah. And plus Netflix was getting older movies. They weren't really getting too many new, new movies on their streaming service. And plus it was the only streaming service, right? Like, um, and so... They had no original content, so people were like, all right, like, fine, we'll give you our old movies, fine. Like, it's a great way for a recuperate. And I will say, no you know, a lot of these contracts, actors weren't making um, money, like, in DVD sales. Like, the residual pay isn't the same, so that's you be a little bit of issues, but that was just for actors, right? Studios weren't really as effective, because when they sell it to them for t- temporarily, like, half or a year or however long, or six months, or however long things can stay on Netflix for, they weren't that stressed, right? So, no biggie. But then what happened is... Netflix started coming out with original content. And that is when things got really spicy for everybody, right? I want to say Orange is the New Black is a series that really kicked everything off. And it was, one, intriguing, it was really great, it had diverse cast, diverse storylines. Um, and then it got nominated for an Emmy. And that's when people in this studio said, whoa, what is going on? they're at Netflix, original content, Orange is the New Black, y'all are winning the Emmys or getting Emmy nominations that is a little more serious than just oh where you just show movies right and it's funny because the studio that tried to do it before Netflix actually I want to say is Yahoo Yahoo had community on their thing and they were talking about like six seasons in the movie or five seasons in the movies right and the last season of community was going to be on Yahoo TV or Yahoo Plus or something and people were like who the fuck People were like, I'm not watching that shit. I'm not fucking online. we watch watching on my phone. we am watching the small screen. Like that's it. And no one bought into it. And they didn't do it, or they got kicked off, or they got shut down. Like people just didn't buy into it, right? Because it was still like new. I remember, and I remember being like, oh, that's weird. Like, you gotta sign up for an account. Like all that shit. It was weird, right? Like Netflix is still normal, but like, stream. Like it was. And this was before Netflix, Orange New, Black, right? And so it was like, oh. Anyway. When Netflix got serious about the original content, they were able to make so much money that they kinda took over the mid budget rom com- the mid budget film industry. So dramas, rom coms, everything that would go towards that but didn't hit theaters. It was a straight to your television, to your laptop, wherever you were streaming Netflix on, right? And that left niggas shook, right? Like that's when it was just like, Oh, this movie has to get made on Netflix, right? And Netflix, not every movie they buy they're buying for a lot of money, right? Like, so a movie that might have sold to a big studio and that, you know, theaters might, be, might have been bought for like $70 million, right? $50 million. Netflix can buy, um, can just hire an in-person writer or in-team writer, or they can find new talent. They can find up-and-coming people who will get less pay. Um, you know, and at, at some point, of course, Netflix is so popular that they can get, like, the big, heavy names because Netflix can afford to pay those big, heavy names, you know, whatever they want, necessarily, right? That's why you have all these random comedy specials, all these random comedians getting paid millions of dollars to tell do some jokes for an hour, and, you know, it just stays on Netflix, right? Even Beyoncé has a fucking deal on Netflix. So now, of course, they're big, big kahunas, big, big ballers, show callers, cause they, but they weren't doing that back in the day. They did build, you know, build their own reputation. Anyway, so that really hurt the mid-budget movies, right? And that is where the controversy lies, right? Because Netflix and streaming was like, we can take over the game, right? And then, what did studios do? Netflix, they said, oh, well, Netflix got a little gig over here. They making money off of our shit. And we're not making as much as we could, right? Because it's all greed. That's all the part, it's all greed. It's all these white boys that, you know, in suits making a real coin off of whatever. So they said, we we can have our own streaming platform. So what, you get Disney Plus, you get Paramount Plus, you get Amazon Prime, you get Hulu. And Disney Plus and Hulu are related. And then you get ESPN fucking like streaming, right? Then you have um, HBO Max, Showtime, like Showtime Plus or like Showtime Now or something, right? TLC has their own fucking channel, right? Discovery gets, has fucking balls to create their own shit, right? Then you have um, who else? I'm f- missing some folks, right? I saw Hulu. Anyway, Paramount Plus, and then all these, you know, Paramount is like a parent company to fucking CBS... You get Peacock, like all these different things, right? Where people are just creating their own content or the, or everything that they own just goes straight to their service, right? And so what do we all do? We all do, well, at least, uh, I know I'm bad for it. Something I'm like, oh, I never subscribed to Paramount+. Plus. Bitch, I have a subscription to Paramount Plus. You know why? Because my friend's like, girl, the Art Carly reboot was kind of funny. And I said, is it? Let me sign for the free trial. And then I forgot. And now I just get charged. And I actually do use it because I watch, like, some random shows. And they have some pretty good movies on there. Uh, but you know that, like, Orphan 2 come out? Like, uh, straight there. I could see that in theaters. That's good enough to stay in theaters. But my point is, is that now everyone has their own shit. And so every studio is pushing their own shit out immediately onto streaming services. Or the movies go to theaters maybe for... I don't know, a month? And then like two, three weeks after that, it's immediately on V on demand. You're like, shit. Back in the day, y'all, remember a movie come out like in January and then it wouldn't even come out and DVD until October? Those were the days. Those days where things could breathe. You could you could actually go see it in the theaters. You have maybe two and a half months to go see it, and then you know you didn't forget about it, or people had to build up the hype, or people talk about it. All these things would happen, and then you could finally see it for yourself, right? Super exciting times. The times I miss, honestly, um, I hate seeing the best movies of the year on VOD. I'm like, damn. First of all, I really just hate the fact that the movie th- theater experience is like being like treated like shit. I I do hate that. I think I think the, I think movies are rare right in theaters. Um, I think it's more fun. I think it's the only time nowadays you get away from your phone where you can, like, have to put it away. Because I, I know who will snitch on people when I see phones. I fucking hate seeing phones out and, like, people talking. Um, <laughs> earlier I saw a Glass Onion and this lady in there was laughing like a fucking chi- hy- hyena. She was like, hoo, 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 hoo. and then fucking figure, y'all, I looked over and told my sister. I said, what the fuck is that? It was so bad just bad, disturbing that the couple next to me, her and her, man, were like, what the fuck is that? Anyway, if I if the Alamo, I would have pressed my button, but I had to deal with it because it was, I was watching Class Onion and I wasn't fucking moving. Um, but they were talking about, like they were at home. So I was like, I was like but just don't make got a movie theater decorum this day. We need to take it back because we need, we need the times where people, shh, you know what I mean? Now people just talk, 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 talk. No, shh, shh. Um, because... That is crazy for you to be talking, like, throughout the whole movie. Anyway, that really made me mad. Anyway, so, yeah. People don't even get a movie theater experience anymore. To the point where we don't know how to act in theater. When I saw Black Panther, I know I said this on my last podcast, nicks are talking crazy or just loud, obnoxious. So, you know, a part of that is the pandemic. I got to believe, honestly, is that we got so used to watching movies at home that the pandemic done fucked us up. We treat like we treat the theaters like it's our living room. I'm like, shh. Sh- you know, maybe that's just, that's just me being a, probably a little grumpy pants, but I'm okay with that. Anyway, my point is is that um, people don't have movie lead experience anymore, so things don't breathe. If And then, you know, if I know movie's coming out in a month or two months or whatever, yeah, I'll just wait. I'll just wait, right? And then a the part of it is that we're also getting so much content playing at us, right? Like, I think that when <laughs> literally every week, you know there are like 10 different shows and movies coming out that it's really hard for people to keep up with like content like there's no way nowadays you can be watching every single fucking thing online or on television like or movies or whatever like especially with like TikTok and Twitter. I mean TikTok is its own little thing you have to keep up with all the little social media trends so imagine trying to keep up with that and then you're trying to like keep up all the tv shows that people are talking about and then you're trying to keep up with the movies that people are talking about right like I really want to keep up with the movies and maybe really popular tv shows but like, I find myself it's hard for me to watch new TV shows that I don't find that ir- entertaining because it's just like, uh eh. like I only watch so much TV compared to movies. I watch way more movies than television. But that's me. You have some people who watch way more television than movies. Mind you, I watch watch a lot of both. I don't know why I just lied and said no, I watch a lot of television because that's not true. My point is, I watch less television than I do movies. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Anyway, so yeah, how much content people are people are trying to watch too, right? So it's just like. That's also another big effect, right? The pandemic is probably also part of that. The pandemic really fucked us up as a culture and society. And I think that's also what movie series would put into conversation nowadays. Anyway. Back to what the conversation is. So, my point is is that, of course, after Jayla made her comments and I got dragged, uh, everyone on the fucking internet for like, for a whole fucking week, I think all last week, all I read was people's takes on the MCU and people's takes on... What their issue is, and then people's takes on Martin Scorsese's take and Quentin Tarantino's take, and those two takes are the ones I can really stick out. I think every few months now we get actually, <laughs> every movie run, every month we get like these journalists who are lazy and they ask, Do you, if Marvel calls, do you want to do the next movie? Would you direct the movie? Would you write the, the next movie? Would you start the next movie? And then people are like, Yeah, or I totally want to do that. And I would, you got fucking Chloe Bailey talking about, I want to play Storm first of all. No light-skinned Storms in the the new MCU. Kevin, I will fight you if Storm is light-skinned. No shade to Chloe, but, like, absolutely fucking not. She's also too young to play Storm want Storm to be (laughs) older. And then you get other actors and directors who are just like, fuck the MCU, fuck them, and fuck those little comic book heroes, and fuck Spider-Man, and fuck Thor. And you're like, damn, nigga, what Thor did do to you? What did Captain America do to you? Shit, right? What did the Avengers, Black Widow, you got beef? With the Avengers? The Hulk? Right? And so I think it's funny. um, Because it's usually like clickbait and the ones that are negative, of course, go super viral. And all the comic book nerds, including myself, have to watch it and talk about it. And digest it. And like, why are they saying this? And what's the beef with the MCU? And I love comic books. So why do you hate comic books? Right? Anyway. So I think that these... Those those are the the starter questions that really like, you know, really... People want to talk about, right? Anyway, Marcus says he's take. and he did an interview a few years ago that goes viral every uh, six months or every few months, maybe I would say. And he basically just said, That's not real cinema, that's not high art, and I want it to be high art because he's like, basically, it's not an original IP, it's not an original idea. And I'm like, Okay, yeah, fair. But also, I think you have, have to remember who Marcus says he is. Marcus says he's old school, you know, he uh does, well, he's a very broad and like, Diverse catalog, I've got to say. I think people are just like he just makes mafia movies. I'm like no, he does a lot more than that, right? And um, he is diverse storytelling, diverse characters and his stories. So um, I think that's just what he is. He just like he's like we have to do something different than the same thing over and over. I think that that's his point, right? Very valid point. He's not wrong. Um, the MCU definitely definitely gets stuck into the three act structure and the third act always being big CGI fight. Pew, pew, pew. Alien defeated, we won, and but then at the end post credit scene where then we do we actually win or something else is coming right and so he has a point right like I even sometimes hate that Um and this is really good right because it can fall bland we've seen in space four some things can fall really bland even shows that started out really great right like I think Wandavision did that shit uh, oh my goodness Shun she did that. So many things were just like, uh, oh, another the CGI fight? <sighs> Fine, I guess. Which is probably why I really like She-Hulk, honestly, because I just appreciate how there was no big CGI fight, and I could not sit through another one of those, personally. Um, I, it does, it did work for me for Wakanda of forever, but like I said, some of these movies it works, some of these movies it doesn't, and so anyway, Mar-S2 says he is right in that sense, right? And I can't, people try trying to call like that man racist, I was like, I don't think Mar-S2 says he is racist. I think he has a point. I think he just wants movies to be high art. Because at one point, people didn't respect fucking news. People thought it was, like, dumb. Something people dumb it. And people take them seriously now. And I think not everyone takes movies seriously. I think movies seriously. But not everyone does. And I'm like, alright. You'll get there. You'll realize how important movies are one day. But if that's not today, that's fine, right? Anyway, Quentin Tarantino's take was... I don't hate comic book movies. I don't hate marvel because I grew up on them. Um, But his issue was that people don't go see Captain America, they don't want to go see Chris Evans. People don't go see Thor, they want to go see Chris Hemsworth. People want to go see Iron Man, they don't see Robert Downey Jr. And he's right and wrong. I didn't know who Chris Evans was before I saw Captain America and I didn't really think about Captain America as a character. I don't really care about Captain America as a character. Chris Evans to me has been fine since so not a, not an, another teenage movie and another teen movie. And so I knew him from back then. I've had a crush on that man since day one. All right. So yeah, I was in there for for Christopher Evans, right? I was not in there for Captain America. To be honest with you, that was just me. I know everyone else might have been, but for me, I didn't know who he was. Christopher. I just said Thor. Can they pull off Thor in real life? And that's why I went to go see him. Right. So you guys were in that sense, right? Now Iron Man. That trailer looked so fucking cool when I was uh, I can't remember two thousand eight. So. Um, I was probably, what, 13 and 11? I don't know. Anyway, my is I was like, oh, this looks pretty cool. I kind of want to see this, right? And so, like, that's why i went to come see it. Did I really care about who Iron Man is at the point? No. Did I know who he was? Yes. I did know who he was because I, mean, I read a few comics with him in it. But, like, I didn't care about that man. My biggest, my biggest Spider-Man, um, comic was, like, X-Men and Spider-Man. And so, you know, X-Men can be in their own little world. <laughs> The Avengers really do not they be crossing every once in a while. They're not crossing every day. Anyway, my point being is that that was his take, right? And that like he has points, right? His big issue is the fact that movie stars don't really exist anymore. Um, and yeah, he's right. Like movie stars are very different nowadays, or the A list is dwindling. And I think back in the day, you could really bag. Like there's this thing in Hollywood called the list, and every studio has a different list, and basically it's like. This like whoever the most important person, right? So let's say the most important person or the biggest one is like Leonardo DiCaprio, Angelina Jolie, Brad Pitt. At one point they were probably all on the one on someone's list, right? And it's like this is the biggest one you can grab whose schedule's available, right? And um, if you were lower on the list, you can get kicked off this. You could be low on the list, and it's like all right. If they all say no, then you're the next next call right? And so, I think that is dwindling. I think that's only because of technology, because of the internet, because you have such a vast, bigger pool to pull from. And I think studios are realizing black people want to see movies, uh, movies of themselves, uh, LGBTQ characters want to see characters of themselves, like of of you know representation of, of themselves, Asian folks, Latinx folks, or Latino Tino folks, Latin folks. Sorry, I want to, I don't. That term keeps people keep saying different things. Anyway, my point is is that. Um, people want to see different things and representations. And so I think the pool is becoming bigger, right? Because that A-list, those A-list list didn't have, only had white men and white women, right? And so now when people are like, well, I want to see somebody black. I want to see somebody fat. Whoa, whoa, our lists don't match up. Okay, well, let's go see what the kids are doing on the internet. Let's go see the YouTube, which is how you get the Easter Rays, the Quinta Brunsons of the world. Let's go see what people are doing on TikTok. Okay, and you know, tic- a bunch of TikToks got a deal with, um... Oh, NBC? Like, when they're writing programs or something, right? And so, like, that's how you're getting diverse talent. It's such a bigger pool to pull from, right? And so I think that, like... I think we're used to seeing only certain body types and certain stories being told, and I think people are just tired. I mean, I know. I genuinely am. I think that's why sometimes movies don't really connect for me nowadays, because it's just like, well, that's a cool movie, but, like, I don't feel any personally towards it or not really when we watch it because it's not my jam, right? And I think that that is something that, like old folks white men are forgetting right. I also think white men have a habit and I don't want to act like Conan Tarantino doesn't have like solid things in his or these you none know, of these directors have solid things in their story so let me back to on a different director actually. really Scott who also picked up the MCU because I think Shang-Chi came out at the same time maybe around or The Eternals or something? Yeah it was The Eternals that came out at the same time as The Last Duel. A movie that was a piece of shit. And he was basically just like, "Ah, my movie didn't do well because of the MCU. I fucking blame them. I was like, you're blaming the fucking Eternals? The movie did critically terrible. Even though it's a really solid movie. I I don't care what people say. Anyway, he was just like, yeah, it's it's bad. So I was like, okay, whatever, fine. And his movie was barely in theaters. It got kicked out early. It's rated R. I think he needs to... I think, first of all, really Scott can realize two things. That your little movie about telling these different stories about a story about a a woman in the 15th century of England getting raped, and then having to listen to two men tell their version until he had the woman tell her her version, does not appeal to fucking audiences. I do not know too many people when at that the top of their list. One woman, no one wants to. First of all, men have this thing where I wouldn't depict rape because that really shows what really women went through or what women are going through. They did the same thing again with them. I was like that is unnecessary. And no one we do not need to depict rape to actually see to know woman got raped on screen. There's plenty of ways to do it. We've seen it done plenty of ways. And I usually say that women directors have a better way, a better touch towards those topics, right? But men I don't think men get that. I think men sometimes feel the like need they have to see things to believe it. That's a whole different conversation which I will not get into today, right? But Spider-Man does appeal to most audiences, right? Spider-Man is the story of Peter Parker, who gets superpowers on accident which is always the best way to get them right it's by after spider and he gets these powers and then all he wants to do is live his life right he wants to be with Mary Jane or Gwen Stacy depending on what universe or what, what time period you're going to read in or whatever or if whatever He gets the girl he wants to go out with his friends he wants to hang out with Harry Osborn when he's not crazy and he's not you know the hobgoblin or whatever um, and then, uh, he just wants to be normal. He wants to go to college. He wants to, at some point, of course, uh, have kids marry Mary Jane and Mary Mary Jane. But because uh, great power comes with great responsibility, he also has to sacrifice something, right? And that is a story that everyone can relate to. He has to go save the fucking universe. He has to go save New York City. He has to go save somebody because great power it comes with great responsibility and it's the idea of what are you willing to sacrifice and give up for the greater good right and he does it. why because uncle ben died when he didn't want to be responsible his uncle died he his his this big sacrifice for him happened because of his lack of care or because he was so angry because you know he was angry and he's being selfish. That is the direct reason, right? So he's now he's willing to make these sacrifices because like, I don't want anyone else to do that. Finally, fine. I mean, tra- Peter Parker has a tragic story, a tragic life that, you know, you can read it, that we've read about since we were kids. So of course that's going to beat out fucking Ridley Scott's bullshit, right? And so that's the part I think that some of these directors don't understand that their stories are not nearly as compelling as some of the most popular IP right? Penguin, it's like, Spider-Man is now under Penguin Classics. So, I think that's something that, like, these directors don't think about, right? It's like, of course you're R-rated bullshit they're gonna pass, pass Spider-Man. Anyway, that, that is a huge thing that I think just, it just bothers me that people talk about. Um, but also... My other big beef is that like all these white men directors act like men, white men yelling are so so artsy and so important, right? And that you can't if comedy is involved, it's not serious, it's not good. If horror is there, it's not. Oh, it's not serious. Horror gets under uh, underlooked. Comedy gets underlooked. A lot of movies get underlooked because of these certain genres and because people don't want to take them seriously. And why is that? Because back in the day, they were not. They weren't like not every i argue there are a few rom-coms and drama and, and horror movies that have been taken seriously, like The Exorcist, Rosemary's Baby, um, Pretty Woman, maybe. But the other ones just have critical acclaim and they're in people's favorites, but like Oscar buzz and like, how far can maybe take an actor? Like, well, it takes actors far, they're not gonna act like that, that's, that's true, but like, you know, people will be like, oh, I would never do that because that's, I mean, I'm not taken seriously as an actor, I can only do these dramatic, serious things, right? So like, that's another part of these issues, right? Of, like, of, of, of the industry. Anyway, my big beef also is that Quentin Tarantino tried to say something like, oh, movie, this is the worst time for movies since the 60s. And I guess in the, he was trying to reference that, like, in the 60s was a shits in the musicals. I'm like, are musicals that bad? I love musicals. I don't think musicals are bad, but apparently he does so i guess since he's the master you know we have to listen anyway that's what his point <laughs> and i'm like that's not true i think that's completely not fair to these com- these movies that have been so incredible this year so let me do a rundown of my favorite movies this year that aren't comic mo- movies and that have so much relevance and so much heart and human stories as JLo was saying because here's the other thing Jayla's los not gonna act and no one's calling for for fucking human stories because she it's not good. I will say this multiple times. I will say it probably again before this episode ends. Anyway, so my favorite movies so far have been Barbarian, a movie about gender and, hor- and horror movies and gender roles and horror, horror *Scream*, The Requel. A Requel, essentially. The Batman. Everything, everywhere, at once. The most fucking human story. I've cried so many times watching that movie. Nope. Sci-fi, horror, spec- a spectacle, a commentary on, like, how people consume media nowadays. Fucking fascinating, right? X is about purity culture, sex, horror, uh, uh, you know, a love letter to the slashers. Prey, you get a native um character in the world of fucking Predator. Come fucking on, it's awesome. Not okay commentary on, con- on cancel culture and shitty fucking influencers. Watcher. Watcher is a great horror movie What about a woman uh, believing she's getting stalked. Uh is this uh, good luck to you, Leo Grande? This is a movie about sex work. Fucking incredible. Miss Harris goes to Paris. So heart heart touching. It's like a fucking warm hug. Bodies, bodies, bodies. A horror movie for Gen Z. Iconic. Fucking iconic lines. Fresh. A movie about gender and dating and cannibalism. Oddly enough. Cha Cha Rose Smooth. Coming of age story. The Northman. That's that's your white man movie right there. Come on, right now. And you know, Talking Maverick came out. Um, that was a fun one. <laughs> Again, that might be considered a blockbuster. Anyway, Pearl, Crush, Do Revenge, The Woman King, be fucking for real, right? The Lost City, see how they run. Bros, that was a solid one. I know, I know a lot of people ain't gonna see it. I am gonna give me no money, but that was a funny one, right? Intergalactic, Smile, Fire Island, Rosaline, World by Night, actually, I guess they got some Marvel, but it's a special presentation, so fine. Window in the Wild, Piggy, The Autopsy, Tar, Triangle of Sadness, Marcel the, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, uh, Decision to Leave, Wakanda Forever, I mean, ugh, sorry, it's a fantastic movie, anyway, The Menu, Glass Onion, and The Fablements, right, all these movies I've seen this year, all of them fucking incredible, all of them I had a visual reaction to, or where I cried, or I was just like, that made me really happy, I had an s- intense connection, and so to me, I'm just like, we've had fucking great movies this year to me, that are so fucking original, we don't need to shit on them. Just because... First of all, also, Clark Tarantino is so particular about what he directs and, like, how movies he's directing. So it's like, sir, relax. We know we're not getting any movies from you uh, anytime soon. So, to me, I'm just like, it's okay that we're not seeing white men yelling at the screen anymore, y'all. So, it's unfair to diverse voices to say that oh we're not you, the movies aren't good anymore or we're in the worst time for movies because like that's just simply not true I think this has been the best year for me I think for cinema cinema since 2018 the year get out came out I think that's also a really great year um for cinema the year parasite came out was also fucking fantastic um but yeah I think that you just have to be realistic and also the last thing I want to talk about is like yeah it's hard to get movies made we discuss kind of about like the process and or I guess did we it's hard to get your movies in front of studios we, I listen to directors talk about how they got the movies and it's like damn it took a minute the especially new young directors I was listening to this podcast with the um director Barbarian and he's this, this white guy um, from this comedy group called uh, The Wise Kids, you know they have a very popular like, Abraham Lincoln sketch online. It's actually very funny. Um, because I think about like the day he got like assassinated, if I'm remembering correctly. But anyway, it took him two and a half years to get Bar- Bar- Barbian funded, funded, and uh, not to completion. Just to get to funded and to get approved. Two and a half years of him sending um, the script out to all these f- places, rejection, funding going up and down. This movie was canceled and then brought back, canceled and brought back, so many times. Right. And so, but I don't think that's new. I think that could be improved. I'm not saying that it should take forever for movies to get made. I would love, you know, for people to, for that to be a faster process. But studios are greedy because of the blockbuster. And I think also Disney has such a monopoly right now. And I think that's a bigger issue too. Disney owns Marvel. It's a major piece. People like Marvel, I'm like, girl, you, you're is with Disney, right? That's the big kahuna kahuna. Um, and they're able to do things like buy out a shit ton of theaters for Wakanda forever. That to me is insane, right? Especially when you're like, damn, like, why y'all need a show in every 20 minutes? Is that many people coming? I mean, yeah, that many people may be coming to the theater. But at the same time, it's like, maybe we spread this out and just leave it in theaters for longer. That's an idea, right? But they're like, we need to make $100 million. We need to make our billion dollars back now. Or $900 million, or whatever the goal is for their budget, right? Like... That, to me, is, the, is a bigger issue than the movie actually being made itself, right? Um, and so I think that as long as you can do that, then that's that's an issue. I think, like I talked about earlier, how like, studios don't keep things in, in movies for a very long time. That, to me, is a bigger issue, too. I think that is way scarier, or just sad, I think. That's way more sad, I would say, um, than a comic movie being made. But there are plenty of human stories, right? And you know, my last question, my last point or question I want to talk about is like, what would people want to see? What gets people going up in seats? We talked about the pandemic being a fact. But I think people go to the movies, one, not that often. I forget sometimes. And as someone who has seen over 200 movies this this year, (laughs) that sounds really sad. Um, As someone who's seen 200 movies this year, um, who goes to the movie alone a lot, and I can sit in the movie and watch it three times, and I can sit and watch three movies in a day, back to back to back in theaters, and I not pull out my phone fucking once, um, we have to ask, can everyone do that? Does everyone want to do that? No? Not in the world where it's so hard to consume, you know, a bunch of shit, right? Um, or there's so much to keep up with, I will say. Um, I think people want to see themselves. Like, I, I think if, when people don't see themselves, they, they're they not interested, and I think that's fair, Right? Like, I don't think everyone connects to every single thing that comes out. Now I think until maybe word of mouth. Right? Parasite was a movie that I had to convince... I was, like, tweeting about Parasite for fucking months before I saw people, other people talking about it. And it's just, like, I'm in my own little bubble in the movies, in the movie sphere thing. Right? But it's, like, I, who wants to see Parasite? <laughs> you know, Parasite was difficult to see pe- get people to watch, especially Black folks. Cause people were like, I don't want to read. I don't want to read subtitles. Like, that's... I'm like fuck you right that's what I personally feel but like some people are like oh it's a little too gory it's too this or it's too this too slow and just like sometimes I also think that movies sometimes can be intimidating to people especially deep movies I will say um, because they take a little bit of research or they take being a cinephile to really understand the watch I think Nope is an example of that I think that like that movie is so specific I think if you've seen Jaws, you've seen Halloween, you get that movie on a deeper level. But I don't think if you've seen that, you don't get the appreciation. So people are like, oh, I don't know if I get that. Or I don't know if I really liked it. Or what did that mean? What did this mean, right? And I entire idea yeah, of spectacle goes in so many directions, right? And that's just, 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 nope, right? I can go on a whole tangent about nope. I could talk about the movie for fucking hours. But I think that, like, Scream is another example. That's, that's Scream... You probably have to have a little back-backing console, at least of the other movies, right, to watch. Fast and Furious, I'm not going to go to Fast and Furious movies it's a piece of shit, even though I don't think those movies are that great. I think they're fun, dumb, blockbuster fun, and I think that's what's great about movies, that they don't always have to be super deep. I think some can, or, or it's cool to, for every movie to be what it wants to be, Right. <laughs> but like I think I'd be kind of a bitch if I was just like I've never seen a Fast and Furious movie But this is the biggest piece of shit I've ever seen. i didn't even see anything of it. It's like of course Because we didn't do the fucking research. Now someone who's seen all, t- all nine and it's just like Raquel dude, Well you missed this and you missed that. And I'm like oh. You know what I mean? So I think how much people effort are people want to see and I think you have to realize how many movies do people see per year? I think Not counting maybe your Netflix watches um, Maybe your weekly Netflix binge. I think people, most people really see like only like five movies in theaters if we're being honest. I think people see maybe one big movie like The Batman, you see a blockbuster in the summer or two, and then you might see something in the fall or maybe around Christmas, like Thanksgiving and Christmas. Those are your big movie seasons and movie weeks. And so I think that if you're not gonna see the movies at those times, then people are doing other things. Now me, I'll be at the movies fucking weekly. It's a weird week when I'm like, oh I'm gonna movies in a week. Let me go, let me go, see, let me go see something, right? That's just me, though, right? Like, and so there's multiple reasons why this is happening. But the biggest reason truly is streaming and capitalism and greed. And Disney being able to casually buy a bunch of shit and monopolize. And then um, even fucking Amazon Prime is a big issue. Amazon Prime, I think, is about to buy... I just thought they were going to buy some huge company. I was like, is that even allowed? Should that be allowed? Like, it was something... uh, Fuck. I don't know how I'm forgetting this. It's also, like, 3 a.m. in the morning while I'm recording this. But, um, yeah, those are your way bigger issues than uh, what the fuck is Spider-Man doing. <laughs> uh, so I think it's funny. And um, my last point is my mom was asking, well, why are we talking about this? I was like, because it's kind of important. I think that it's important to know why how movies are, why movies are the way they are right now. Um, especially when people, I think, love movies. Movies are so important. I'm, when I watched The Fable Men's, I cried four times. And it was incredible to watch how why Steven Spielberg the Steven Spielberg fell in love with movies. It was incredible to watch like his process and like how he kind of like became a better director with everything he he directed, and how his family drama affected him. And I think that like everyone connects to movies and films, and I think that people deserve to have a better understanding of the things about that goes on behind the scenes. Because I think that makes you appreciate what you're watching way more in front of you, right? That's what my entire podcast is about. My entire podcast is about talking about the background of the movies to appreciate what you're seeing on screen, right? And I think that this is a huge, like, topic and a huge uh, appreciation, goes into the appreciation of film and media. And I think when people understand that, like, certain things appeal appeal to certain people for a reason or other things don't, or why the Buckers are so successful and why they're so fun because, you know, they're family movies. And family, of course, trumps everything, right? Like, dads are not gonna be able to go see the already movie. Like, my dad had missed so many movies probably, or anyway, till they came on DVD, or he could rent them to watch by himself because, you know, he could, have, my mom was like, you can't go to the movie by yourself, take your kids. And I wanted to go to the movies, so I was like, yeah. We, so we're, what you're going to go see, you're going to see the big blockbuster, you're going to go see the comic movie, you're going to go see the things that appeal to most people in your household. Now, when you're single, of course, you're able to go see things, but, you know, a family of six seeing one thing, t- seeing one movie versus a family of uh, 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 one ticket, it makes a difference in your ticket sales, right? And, you know, I guess, another like, I thing I said was uh, marketing, like... Movies need to be marketed better. Something, you know, Strange World came out on Disney and it's in some theaters now and it's like bombing because Disney didn't promote it. A part of that I think is homophobia because one of the main characters is, uh, I said openly queer and it's like they don't hide it. So I don't know what that means if I haven't seen it. But, um, you know, I think that like Disney is like they did not give a fuck or not give a fuck enough to like really put it in front of people. It was on like my, I knew the movie, cause my algorithm again, you know, was showing it. So I was like, okay, something to check out. But then I was gonna watch it in theaters, but then someone was like, it's not that great. It's kind of average. And I was like, well, I'll just wait to Disney plus. And like, that's not fair the movie, but you know, I guess I gotta draw the line somewhere. or I'll save my 12 bucks and it's just like, all right, well, I'll wait um, unless I get bored this weekend and then I go decide to watch it in theaters. I don't fucking know. I'll decide later. But my point is is that movies... Understanding what's going on is really important. And I think that's the best way also to understand how... You know, when directors are... You're talking on Twitter or talking in front groups. I think it's a better way to understand things the way they are. Instead of just looking at Twitter talking points. I think Twitter just gets really wrapped up into... Everything is nothing's original. It's like, yeah, that's true. But why? Capitalism. Netflix. Um, and that's... The easiest way to explain it all. So thank you guys so much for listening today. I really appreciate it. This was a fun one for me. Um, my next episode, I don't know if I have one in the next few months. I next few weeks. I think I'm gonna talk about Christmas movies. Christmas movies next. So that should be interesting. Um, and then after that, I have my Valentine's Day episode lined up. I you know I think a few months ago I like talked about like doing one talking about rom coms. Then I said, well February is right on the corner. Just wait till February. And so that's what I'm gonna do. And so I'm really excited to, t- to get more serious in the next year and really do my episodes like twice a month. i am got to stick to my schedule or I'm doing myself a disservice. So anyway, thank you so much for listening, you guys. Have a great d- night or day or whenever you're listening. Bye.